Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning and welcome again to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh Delarosa, and I'm the senior pastor here at OCC. Uh, we typically meet at the Orange Terrace Community Center uh, right here in Riverside, California, Southern California. Our church has actually just recently celebrated 12 years together as a church. And last Sunday, uh, as as you know, due to the mandates being issued from federal, state, uh, and and then last week, our regional uh, county health officer, we canceled our live morning worship service and shifted everything to online platforms, uh, our service, groups, and, and all. And so then this past week, it's become really clear that in order to slow the spread of the coronavirus, we really need to continue in this online format until it's safe to resume meeting. And so along with churches all across our area and our country, we've shifted gears and we're aiming to just do what we can. We want to do our part uh, and follow the guidance of federal and state and local agencies. So I invite you to engage with God right there in your own home as we look at his word, the Bible, and we do that together. And we look to him for help and for comfort and for perspective. And so let's begin uh, by praying together. So would you join me in, in prayer? Father, right now, uh, we just cast our concerns upon you. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that uh, you, you invite us, God, to bring our concerns to you, to bring our questions to you. Uh, we, we thank you right now, God, for hearing our prayer. Uh, we pray for the protection of everyone, Lord, who already has the coronavirus, everyone who is uh, sick right now. God, we pray for help and for healing for them. God, we pray for energy, Lord, for all of the uh, hospital staffs, nurses, doctors, first responders. Lord, we pray you'd, you'd supply all that they need, God, strength, energy, resources, focus, clarity. Uh, we pray that you would give insight, God, to the doctors uh, that are working hard to uh, identify treatments and vaccines, Lord. I pray, God, you would speed the process, Lord. And we ask for your hand, God, to just continue to be on this, Lord, bringing an end, God, and, and bringing the help, Father, that, that uh, we all uh, need, God. And, Lord, we also just pray right now for our time. God, we pray that uh, this would be a time uh, where we uh, would get perspective from you, where we would uh, understand your angle on on this situation and on life, God. I pray you give us the ability to focus, God. Focus our hearts, focus our minds right now. So we bring these things to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, if church is, is new to you, or maybe it's been a while, uh, then we are so glad that you've joined us. Uh, many of you uh, tuned in maybe through the invitation of a friend, uh, maybe a family member, or maybe you're part of the OCC Church family. Uh, regardless, uh, we are so glad that you have joined us this morning for worship. And if you want to follow along with the message this morning, you can access a listening guide by clicking on the sermon notes tab right at the top right of your screen. And then you'll be able to follow along uh, with some of the verses and the points that, that we'll be looking at this morning. Uh, here, here at OCC, we have some guiding values. Uh, two of them that I wanted to highlight this morning. The first one is we as a church are guided by scripture, meaning we believe that the Bible, we believe that the Bible is God's word. And so we aim when we gather to line up our lives 
and our perspective to God's perspective. And so, in fact, here's the Bible's own description of itself. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so when we gather on Sunday, we want to be guided by Scripture. We look to God's Word. In fact, from our website, you can actually look at all of our past messages. And if you'd like to learn more from God's Word, check out all that our website has to offer. So that's the first thing. We're guided by Scripture. But another value that we hold is that we aim to give space to investigate. And so you might not be convinced about the existence of God. And I realize that you might not even have uh, the same hope that I'm going to be sharing about. You might not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so when it comes to the Bible, you might have doubts, you might have questions about the Bible. So our hope is that we as a church could help you explore faith in Jesus, and maybe for the very first time. We want to help you right now gain clarity on who Jesus is and what it would look like to follow him. And so just let us know how we can help you in this time. A few weeks ago, our church was in the middle of a series of messages that I've titled Lives and Letters, where we've been looking at how to read and how to bridge from the New Testament letters in the Bible. The Bible has two divisions, the Old and the New Testament. And so we've been looking at the New Testament letters and trying to understand how we read and bridge from the New Testament letters written in the first century to our world today. There's actually 27 books in the New Testament, and 75% of those books are letters. And again, you can catch up on our series by, by listening to any of our past messages from our website. But in my message last week, what we did is we pivoted away from lives and letters, and we addressed the current situation directly. But today what I want to do is I want to jump right back into our series, Lives and Letters, because the New Testament letter that, we're, that we had planned on looking at and covering this morning, it actually speaks loudly to our current situation. And what's amazing is this, is that when you read the Bible and when you read these letters in the New Testament, you realize that God is actually speaking to you and me. It's sort of like the, the words just jump off the page and you sort of have to say, wow, that, that seems very direct. That's what God's word does. It speaks to our heart. The New Testament letters, just like a letter you might receive in the mail, you know, they, they're from a sender, they're to a recipient, and therefore a purpose, meaning that there was some situation or there was some occasion that prompted the author to write that letter. Something I know right now is that this whole current crisis in our world is prompting all sorts of communication. I've been getting calls, texts, virtual calls. I, I, haven't, I haven't received any physical letters because for everyone, this whole situation is changing so frequently that everyone just prefers more instant communication. And so I know we're all really grateful for the instant tools that we have. But but for me, I grew up receiving something we call snail mail, uh, physical letters, letters in the mail and telephone calls. That was the way of life. I mean, I remember in the seventh grade, I moved and everything in my life came to a halt and shifted. Talk about the worst time, seventh grade. Everything just sort of came to a screeching halt. Does that sound familiar to you? And even at the young age of 12, as a seventh grader, I was a planner at that point. I'm pretty sure I had my whole life mapped out. I knew what I was going to be doing from week to week. I would plan out in my mind the gatherings I want to do with my friends. I would talk through plans for building forts in our neighborhood. I would run up and down the street. I was the guy that would rally all the kids 
out of their houses and say, hey, we're going to play ball at the park or in the front yard. But then in the middle of my seventh grade year, my whole life just got flipped upside down. And, you know, what really helped in that time after I moved away was writing or receiving letters to and from my old friends, my old neighbors. What that did was it helped ease the transition and it brought comfort in the new normal. And right now, in a very similar way, all sorts of thoughtful communication is just flowing back and forth between you and the people that you care about, which really is helping us walk through this crisis together. This morning, though, I want to look at a few parts from the New Testament book of James. It's James, the book, is widely known as the most practical letter in the whole New Testament. James helps us navigate life and answers the question, what does it look like to practically obey God? So let's start by getting curious about what's in this book. It begins with James 1.1, and it reads, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. So it sounds like a letter. It's familiar. The author, he introduced himself as James. This is actually the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, Mary, Jesus' mom, Jesus' mother, was a virgin up until Jesus' birth. But then afterwards, Joseph and Mary, they had other children. And James, this author, was one of those children of Mary and Joseph. And James eventually became the leader of the Jerusalem church after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Now, James, uh, church history tells us he didn't live to be an old man. In fact, he was martyred for his faith around 62 AD, according to a church historian. But that's the author, James, half-brother of Jesus. And as far as the recipient, it, it writes that it's the 12 tribes in the, in the dispersion. So really, it's the nation of Israel. This is who the letter was intended to. James seems to be writing mainly to Jewish Christians who are scattered throughout the whole region. Now, here's an interesting connection again. Right now, People all around our all around our communities right now are are gathering together in their homes or they're gathering alone. We're likely all watching this uh, in our in our homes. Some people, you know, maybe uh, with one or two others, maybe by yourself right now. And so, just think of the hope that a timely, thoughtful message brings when you need it. Now, the occasion of James's letter is is really this: it's to give people hope to give practical insights for living, and also it served as a call to endure through trials. Also, just a few things I want to note that you want to avoid when you're reading uh, the letter, James's letter. First, avoid, since there's no deep doctrine when you're reading James. It's very different. Some of the other books in the Bible have deep doctrine, theology. Uh, James doesn't have any deep doctrine, so you can be tempted to just sort of overlook James's wisdom. And so avoid judging this letter as too simple. That's sort of like a rejection of, of a practical book in the Bible, maybe looking for real deep, deep books intellectually. James is, is really just, um, it's hard-hitting, it's pointed, it's direct. Uh, but avoid thinking, well, that's obvious, or as you're reading it, or, hey, tell me something I don't know, James. James instead, you know, he just gets right to the heart of the application. He doesn't take the time, as other authors in the Bible do, he doesn't take the time to lay out who Jesus is, why? Well, it's because he's already convinced. You see, James being Jesus' half-brother, he grew up with Jesus. So in other words, James's letter is coming from someone who'd say, hey, trust me, follow Jesus, he's the real deal. That's why James gets so practical so quick. 
Uh, so that's one thing to avoid. Second is avoid extreme pragmatism. Avoid oversimplifying the Christian life, which means, you know, James is so focused on application, so you want to avoid thinking, I just do, 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 and then I burn out because I don't really have the core beliefs, the core doctrine of Christianity. And so if you're new to church or new to Christianity, um, after you read this letter, move beyond it as well and continue. Take the time to really learn about the Bible's definition of, of what it means to be a Christian. We'd love to help you with that on that digital, connect, digital connection card. Uh, later on, you know, you fill that out. Let us know if there's any boxes applied to you. We'd love to help you learn how to follow Christ. And so, okay, let's get a little further into this book. A major theme in James is tied to navigating the trials and navigating the challenges of life. Uh, this is, again, especially timely. Across the scope of life, uh, there are all of these challenges that we encounter. And so maybe call to your mind or even jot down Maybe two or three of your current challenges. You're, you can write coronavirus on there. We're certainly all very concerned about it. And that's certainly something that is on our mind. But beyond that, I know that some of you, you're dealing with some other challenges. You're right in the midst of some really hard times. There's some other things that are just pressing in on you from different sides. And so I want to encourage you to jot down those challenges because this really will help you uh, process and have perspective. So James has a word for us. It begins in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, that's not a word that we often use, steadfastness. But really, it can be translated endurance. It literally means bearing up under. Bearing up under. There's pressure coming down on us. We're bearing up under it. A person with steadfastness is someone who has developed a character quality that allows them to, to hang in there and bear up under pressure. And that's what is being produced through trials. Look at verse 4. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He's describing a maturing process that goes on in a person's life. This process, if you choose to commit your life to follow Jesus, actually you begin as a baby in your faith. You start out as a newborn. Just like a newborn baby grows up over time and matures, it's the same way in our spiritual life. And one of the primary tools that God uses to help us grow is trials of various kinds. James writes, you know, when you meet a trial, meaning we encounter trials, in fact, right now, we are in a trial as a world. Right now. I mean, how, how do we apply this to our life? How do you, in verse 2, how do you count it all joy? You rejoice because it's through our trials that God is actually producing new growth in us. You see, a sign of maturity, a sign of growth is that you can endure through trial. You can hang in there. You don't uh, lose, your, lose your mind, lose perspective. Uh, you don't run uh, away and neglect responsibilities, but you bear up under it. This is called steadfastness. You learn to bear the pressure and the challenges in life. I was in my early 20s uh, during 9-11. I had been married not too long, uh, and, and what a tragedy 9-11 was for our country. Uh, so many lives were lost through 9-11. And some of you, you can remember, and you can flash back to where where you were when you heard that news. Maybe you were really young. Uh, but wherever you were, whatever you were walking through, if you were alive at that time, in a similar way, life sort of just came screeching uh, to a halt. 
Um, but after 9-11, so many people looking back would say they grew stronger, they developed endurance, all sorts of stories spread of people coming together, helping each other. People found purpose in those days. Uh, people extended themselves, sacrificed, and loved each other deeply. And there was ex- exponential spiritual growth occurring for some people in that time. And so trials, uh, they're not pointless. God actually will use the trial for some greater purpose in our life. But from our end of things, that's the challenge. From our end and from our vantage point, we don't know why this trial has come. And so we have a lot of questions. And James, if you read on, James gives us more guidance. Verse 5, it reads, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So if in the midst of pressure, if I don't know what to do, then James writes, ask God for wisdom. God can help. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I don't know where to find the answers in the Bible. I'm pretty new to all of this. James says, ask God. He knows. When it comes to this plaguing questions of of what about this and what about that, James says the best place to to go, best, best place to start, and the place to stay is just with God. Keep asking God for wisdom. It's not a one-time ask. This is more of an ask and ask and ask and ask. It's a lifestyle of asking. It's a belief that God is the ultimate authority. It's a belief that he knows and I can trust him and I can see and believe that his word is truth. So to ask God is to really turn to his word, the Bible. This is where we should go to hear God speak to us when we don't know what to do. Why is this such an important starting point? Well, because over time, as we read on, over time you realize that Without a place to turn for answers, you get off course really quick. And so look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith without or with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if we flip-flop on our ultimate authority, and who is our ultimate authority, then we can be blown around our whole life. And James is saying, look, he's saying, settle the issue. Settle the issue that you're going to go to God for answers. So I want to encourage you to take a deep breath by having the right expectation. Understanding life is a marathon. It's going to have challenges. There will be trials, even some hair-raising ones just like this. And ask God for wisdom. When you don't know what to do, Go to him. Right now, we all have questions. We're all facing big decisions. But the reason why James says if you lack wisdom and not if you lack information is because wisdom is about action. Wisdom is about doing the right thing with my responsibilities. There's tons of questions I have that I don't really need to know the answer to because I'm not responsible for everything. And so I want you to do something right now if you can. Some of you for reasons beyond your control, have a lot of extra time on your hands. You might be quarantined right now at home, maybe dressed in your church casual attire, and you don't have anywhere to go or or you don't have anything much to do today. Uh, But I want to encourage you to do something right now that can bring a lot of peace, a lot of clarity, and a lot of help and wisdom into your life. I'd like you to list out on a sheet of paper or maybe on your device all of the questions, all the problems, 
all the needs, all those decisions that you've been thinking about and those things you've been feeling. Write those things out. Just list those things out, whatever they are. Write them down. Actually, we're going to give you just a few minutes right now to complete this exercise. Okay, now that you've written those those concerns out, underline or maybe sort out the ones that are out of your hands, those concerns that are out of your control. These are the ones that you commit to God in prayer. Maybe questions like, when will this end? Or what's the future going to look like? And on and on. There's some things that that are outside of your realm of responsibility. Uh, and those are issues you can commit to God in prayer. But then you want to circle or maybe sort out in a different list the ones that are truly your responsibility. Responsibilities like fixing meals, doing household chores, paying bills, uh, relating well with your family, working, doing a good job at work. If you're able to go to work, working well. And now what you really have is you have two lists. You have a prayer list and you have a need wisdom list. This is where I'd again encourage you to go to God's Word, the Bible. With those questions that you need wisdom on, turn to God. God's Word has the answers for life. Now, with whatever you're facing right now that is within your responsibility, God has promised to give you wisdom. Now, through the rest of James's letter, uh, we're introduced to a handful of very, very practical topics. Issues of wisdom. Some of these might apply to you right Right there in your home. Here's an overview. In James, you'll see trials and wisdom. You'll see favoritism. You'll see issues related to true faith. Uh, words and speech, which if you're at home and you're in tight quarters, that's really applicable right now. We're living in such close quarters, we need reminders on how to use our words in a way that helps. Uh, James talks about internal warring. He talks about presumption and boasting about the future. He gives some guidance for people uh, who have extra words to the wealthy. Uh, there's perspective on our attitude in suffering and guidance on praying for one another uh, when we're when we're struggling through things. There's also some a like small section at the very end about helping restore people. Uh, for the rest of our time, though, what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus on something that we're all facing right now, and it's the attitude that we choose in facing an uncertain future. It's found, there's a section found in chapter 4 of James, verses 13 through 17. Listen to this, it's so helpful. James writes, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Don't you hear God speaking to you through this passage? I mean, I do. James, he wrote this almost 2,000 years ago to new Christians scattered and dispersed around the region, but but you almost have to stop and ask, who's James talking about when he says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town. I mean, he's talking about people who talk about the future with certainty. He's talking about real people. This applies to all of us right here and right now in America, right here in Southern California or wherever you are. God is talking to you through this. He's speaking to you. And what's he saying? He's saying, we love to plan out 
our future. You know, you read that in this in this phrase. You see the passage, this presumption. We love to plan, even boast about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, how it's all going to work. We act like we know in life what's coming around the corner, but as this crisis has proved, we don't have a clue. We're, we're not ultimately in control. Look, a month ago, the economy was alive, and now we're all concerned about the long-term global impact of this pandemic. Some of you, you thought your job was rock solid. Today, you aren't so certain. Some in our church have already lost employment. There's questions, and maybe right now you don't even know where to turn. Uh, many of you I know had plans to travel out of town, out of state, out of country. Now, Europe's on lockdown. Airlines are grounding flights. If you live in the Bay Area, Orange County, and other spots, you can't leave. Uh, there's social distancing uh, restrictions uh, in place. For those of you who are seniors in high school or college, you, maybe you were buying a prom dress or planning spring break trips and booking family members' flights to come and celebrate for your graduation today. You're not quite sure when you'll a- ever be able to step back onto your campus. But the point of all this is this, is that you can't predict the future. You can't be confident about the details of the future, but what can you be confident in? God. God's plans, God's promises, and God's ability to get what he wants done. done. That's the program we should join. That's the plan we should set on our heart today. Set your heart to please the Lord today. The Lord will show you his will from day to day. When, you're, when you say, as James writes, when you learn to say, instead of say, instead of presuming on the future, but instead when you learn to say, if the Lord wills, so Lord willing, this, this is what I'm going to do. When you learn to say, Lord willing, you're, you're, you're basically saying, God, I don't know what the day will bring, but I'm totally committed to doing what's right and good before you. I want to do your will today. You're my king. I'll show you my loyalty and love you today in the way that I handle my responsibilities. I won't hold back the good that I can do right now. I won't save it up. I won't get distracted from the good I can do. When we don't do what we know is good and what we know is right, as James describes, James calls that sin when we hold back. So what can you do today that is good and that's right? I want to encourage you to consider real practical steps to apply this to your life. Consider, do the people around me, neighbors, my brothers and sisters in, in, in our church family, do they have what they need right now? If you're still going to work, work hard. Stay focused. Give your best effort. If you're at home, take the time to serve each other. Take initiative to make home life uh, refreshing. There's probably a lot more messes to clean up. There's a lot more activity in our houses right now. So pitch in. Help out. If you're a student, don't don't slack. If, if your school is still operating now online, don't just do the minimum. Don't procrastinate. Don't cheat. Instead, do excellent work. Parents, uh, this is an opportunity to really slow down, spend extra time with our kids. It's a chance for us to get on their level, uh, to do the things that they're into, to help them process this in an appropriate, age-appropriate way. Uh, they also are looking to us to set the example of going to God and trusting Him. And so we're praying for the parents of, of our church family. Roommates, maybe you weren't used to seeing each other quite so often. <laughs> what extra efforts would help these days? What extra consideration would maybe go a long way in your home? 
You see, the flip side of, of us not knowing the future is that it drives people to hoard, to hold back good things, to hold back acts of kindness and, and sharing. Uh, but instead, will you decide in your heart that you won't let fear drive your life? Will you do the good that God places before you and do these things in faith? Ask God for wisdom on what to do today. He's going to show you what's good and what's right today. Then then ask him for the power and the faith to move forward towards those things. And we've touched on a handful of areas this morning. And I want to encourage you to, to jot down at least one major takeaway. Uh, we like to call that our next step. So what is that? What is that major takeaway, that key takeaway that, that you sense God is asking you to apply to your life today? Maybe you have several that came to your mind. You know, Jot those down as well before they slip out of your mind. The days ahead. The days ahead could could get darker for our world. Uh, there are a lot of people out there right now who are feeling hopeless, and you might be one of those people. You might be feeling an emptiness inside of you, and there's really nothing in this world that's filling that empty void. Maybe you've tried money, maybe you've tried status and fun and vacations or purchases or even relationships, but nothing in this world has given you the sense of peace, the sense of security, and the hope that you know that you need. And this whole crisis may have just rocked you and opened you up like nothing you've ever been through before, nothing you ever remember. And I want to tell you some really, really good news. There is hope, and it's found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so please let us know through the digital connection card if we can help you learn more about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would be honored to help you right now. Also, if you're watching this live during our 10 a.m., home worship experience, then we also have some of our staff available to respond to, respond to live prayer requests. And, and finally, uh, for our OCC Church family, I really miss you all. Uh, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your families. I'm praying for your children. I'm praying for your health. Um, I want you to know God loves you. Uh, he's in control. And I just want to encourage you, keep turning to Him. Stay connected to God through this time. And and to the people who are pointing you to trust in him. So I love you and God bless. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.